morning, Say What family. Good morning, good lunchtime, good afternoon, good dinner time, good whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome back to the Say What podcast. My name is Hannah, and I'm just honored that you're spending some of your day here with us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I hope you stay a while. I like to talk about sex, marriage, relationships, Christianity, all things like that. So, I'm glad you're here, Um, but I'm really glad you're here because today we are talking about something super, super important that I am ready to dive into that I think we need to bring more awareness to, and I'm really excited about it, and we are going to be talking about domestic violence and toxic relationships, and I had to bring on a pro to talk about this because I feel like it's super important to hear from somebody who does this like every day, like this is their job and um, knows way more about it than I do. And so she's hopefully, not hopefully she is going to educate us and answer our questions. And so um, I have one of my friends, Mallory Heisler on the podcast. Mallory, say hello. Hey everybody. I'm so glad to be here. Mallory, it's such an honor to have you. I, me and Mallory met and we actually got to meet in person, which makes me super excited because I don't always get to meet my like my friends on Instagram in person because I feel like I have so many friends from all over. I've been getting a lot of people from India joining the Say What community recently, which is cool. But awesome. I was like, oh, all these people. Yeah, I'm like, welcome, come in. Uh, but uh, Mallory had we'd been we had been DMing some on Instagram, and she told me what she did, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have you on the podcast because we need to be talking about this stuff. And mm-hmm. so Mallory, I'm gonna give a quick thing of her credentials, make sure, and she wrote it down for me so I can get it right because I never want to get this stuff wrong. So Mallory is a graduate of Colorado State University with a bachelor's and master's in social work. She's been practicing with social work for eight years, working with women in domestic violence for six years and as a therapist for almost two years. So she will be licensed in December as a licensed clinical social worker. So super excited. This is why I had to bring some people, her on because she knows all the things. Clearly she's working with um, women in domestic violence for six years. And so I had to bring her on and we got, we had to meet up for coffee and it was so good. She's so kind, so knowledgeable walking in what Jesus has called her to do. And it's so evident. And so I'm just really excited to have you on the podcast, Mallory. It is such an honor. So tell us a little bit about you. Tell us who you are, what you do, just, you know, that 30,000 foot view. Thanks, Anna. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so like you said, my name is Mallory Heisler. I'm a Christian and I'm a therapist. I'm also happily married to live my life. It'll be two years in March. Um, I work at a nonprofit organization. I do therapy with adults. So anyone 18 to 80, really, there's no limit. Um, but yeah, so I see everyone from the person with like generalized anxiety disorder or just like going through something kind of hard to like people with severe schizophrenia. So it's all over the board, anything in between. Um, And due to my history of working with individuals in domestic violence relationships or toxic relationships, because sometimes that word helps people feel more comfy if they don't feel like, oh, I can't call myself domestic violence, you know? So um, I've cultivated my reputation for myself, which I'm really proud of, of as like being the person that you can send individuals to who've experienced like trauma in this particular way or severe childhood trauma, because a lot of times the two go together. And so, yeah, so I'm really proud of myself for that. And I love, love, love just like working with women, helping empower them to create the life that they've like always dreamed of. And in my spare time, when I'm not doing that or learning about that, I 
love being outside riding bikes or kayaking and like doing all kinds of outdoor adventures. I love that. It's you live in the perfect place to have an outdoor adventure. Colorado is like the perfect place to be for that. Um, That's so awesome. And what like inspired you to become a therapist that specializes in this stuff? Like what, how did you get to this point? So it honestly goes way back to when I was like 13 years old. I have always been obsessed with relationships Mm. and that obsession turned into a healthy passion. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in church and um, I could see from a really young age that relationships are what make us human and Mm. without like the best relationships possible, we're not going to be like our best human selves possible. We can't serve God to our fullest and also like I took it as like my own personal calling that even if like I work, no one I work with, the nonprofit I work, the nonprofit organization I work at is not a Christian organization and I've never worked at a Christian organization. Um, so I feel like this calling is on my heart for everyone to help everyone create mm-hmm. the most healthy relationships that they can in their lives. I've had that since I was 13 years old to wow. help people like, see and understand their value and know their worth. And to create those relationships because naturally when we have that healthy, loving relationship, the good, like God naturally seeps in somewhere along the way. And so I am just so passionate about helping people like have like break generational curses in their family because toxic relationships are generally generational curses and just start something new for their own kids and their own lives. Even if it's like a 16 year old who is trying to learn how to date better you yeah, know, I want to yeah. work with everyone. And so that's how, like, I, I also do couples counseling. I forgot to mention that. And so helping people on like every part of the spectrum is my passion. I'm also a relationship coach at this point. And so you can reach me from anywhere. And, um, but that's really where my passion for like domestic violence came in is, mm-hmm. and where this education came from is because like, if you know how to do the healthiest relationship possible, You've got to go and help the people who are really struggling with that. And that's people in domestic violence relationships because they don't know what it feels like to have safety, to have somebody treating them well, because Mm -hmm. domestic violence really starts in your childhood. And so I go and I work with people, work on their inner child, and I help them see like, okay, what is missing in your life? What is missing what were you not taught? And like, I'm going to teach you that and we're going to dig in and we're going to help you like find that together. Yeah. Um, so that way you can create the relationships that you've always wanted, but you have no idea how to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I love that you're doing this and this work is, is so, so, so important. <laughs> like literally changes lives and it's super important. So I, I'm so glad that you're here. Something I like to ask my guests, which I realized I have not been doing lately. I've been slacking on this question, but I'm going to do it with you. So, um, what is one thing you love and one thing you hate? Hate is a really strong word, but maybe you do. Hate <laughs> So I love, love, love flowers. They Ooh. just make me so happy. Yeah. My husband actually calls me Petunia because like when we walk around neighborhoods, I like point at the flowers and I name them. Oh, because I love that. I, yeah. Cause I know like the names of a lot of flowers. I'm not an expert, but I know a lot of them. Yeah. And when I said Petunia, he said, Petunia, that sounds like a butt. <laughs> and then he was like, I think that'd be a great nickname for you. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. I'm obsessed with that. That is amazing. Wow. Um, I hate, like you said, it's a strong word. 
I really don't like horses. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say that. I was like, I bet she's going to say she doesn't like horses. You want to tell us a quick, quick reason why you don't like horses? <laughs> Guys, I have never liked horses. And then this last summer, I went on vacation with my husband to Yellowstone. It was just a random spur of the moment thing. And we were having a great time. And I said, how about we go on that little touristy trail ride? You know, they have all the old safe horses. I was thrown off of one of the horses and I broke my back. But um, I fractured a vertebrae. I'm okay now. I can walk and I'm healing. Thank God. And, yeah. but I just want yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I sent this over to you, I was like, I bet she's going to say that she doesn't like horses, which is totally I also weird don't because- like people who walk slow in stores and oh. they're like in front. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, well, I'm so glad you're healing that you are on a path to recovery. Like literally praise God. Um, I like I'll share one too. So one thing I love is this is super basic, but I don't I also don't like when people call things basic because it's like it's basic for a reason because it's it's a good thing that people like to do. Um and so I like this morning, this is what I had for breakfast, and I was like, I have to talk about this. I had pumpkin um Oh crap. What's it called? What's the word? Um, cinnamon rolls. I had pumpkin cinnamon rolls with pumpkin spice icing on top. And it was like, perfect. I was so happy to have this pumpkin cinnamon roll in my life. So I really love that. And I said, it's basic because it's like pumpkin, but it's only basic because it's delicious and people right. love it. And Great. You gotta make that for some reason, that's what people do, but no, exactly. exactly. in your pumpkin. Yes. I love it. And then one thing I, strongly dislike is uh oh excuse me one thing I strongly dislike I should have thought about this beforehand is um uh, my mind is going blank right now I strongly dislike when there are a ton of dishes in my dish like in my sink because I have not put them up so I probably dislike <laughs> myself when I don't put the dishes up so but I fixed it this morning I fixed it fixed the dishes this morning all as well but I just one thing I love is pumpkins and pumpkin cinnamon rolls. And one thing I don't like is when there's a ton of dishes in my dishwasher or in my sink, which happens all the time. Okay. Let's thank you for introducing yourself and for helping us get to know you a little bit better. Let's yeah, just, it's an honor to be here, Hannah. Yes. Let's just dive into this. Like there's so much we could talk about with this. I asked you guys on Instagram for your thoughts, your topics, your questions, your comments about domestic violence. And I got a ton of responses. So we're going to try and hit, hit them today. Um, as we do this, we're going to, I'll just give you guys a quick overview of what we're going to do, how we're going to do this episode, um, is we're going to first just talk about domestic violence in general, toxic relationships, talk about the generalization of that. We're going to give next steps if you are currently in a toxic relationship, and then we're going to talk about how to help somebody if you, if they if you know somebody that's in a toxic relationship, like what are some practical things that you can do, and then we're going to have a little Q&A at the end from some questions that you guys have sent in. So that's what we're, that's the flow of the podcast today. So let's just get into it. So Mallory, what actually is domestic violence? I think so many of us, when we hear domestic violence, we just think physical violence. So can you give us like a definition, like what exactly is domestic violence in a relationship? So this is a fantastic question because it's such a simple question, but it's also one of the most difficult questions you could ask because Mm. what makes domestic violence so difficult for society to recognize as real and true. And let's face it, because society places a huge stigma on victims of domestic violence, Mm -hmm. you know, that is not an easy position to be in. Um, 
so what makes that so hard for people to recognize as real and true is that abusers are so sneaky in their tactics that the things that they are doing are almost imperceptible. Mm. And so for the sake of definition today, I would say that it's anything that keeps the victim feeling like on edge, threatened or uneasy. Mm. Um, if you were to Google it, you would find something about like aggression, um, you know, like any situation where there's aggression. But I think that domestic violence is best when it's looked at from like the perspective of the victim rather than the perpetrator, mm. like asking like because when I work with individuals who are in toxic relationships, I call it toxic relationships a lot because um, especially in the beginning, you know, you, you move towards that word abuse because a lot of times it's easier for people to recognize like, yeah, I'm in a toxic relationship mm -hmm. rather than I'm in an abusive relationship because they don't want to put that word on the person that they're with. Mm -hmm. Because even though there are all these bad things going on, they still are very protective because that's part of domestic violence. So they're going to be protecting that individual. Um, so looking at it from the perspective of the victim of like, how are you feeling? And the abusive person, the toxic person is going to tailor what they're doing to that individual. Mm -hmm. So there's no one size fits all. Yeah. It's going to be specific to like, how can I have power and control over that, like my individual person? So that victim, how can I have power and control? It's all about power and control. Mm -hmm. And that looks different for everybody. Yeah. For some yeah. people, it's, you know, it can be harming their animals if their animals are the most important thing in the world to them. Some, mm -hmm. some people, it's just extreme guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it can be all over the board. And yeah. so just keeping in mind, like, what is your particular situation? So for if you aren't in a relationship that you're questioning yourself, like, is this a toxic relationship? Ask yourself, how does it make you feel? And then we can go ahead and pay attention to like, what is that person doing? Yeah. And I usually take the role of saying, you know, it sounds like that person is doing this intentionally to you. And yeah. that's when you know that that's a toxic or an abusive person. That's so good. And I'm so glad that you've explained it the way that you did, because I do think like so many of us and, and just in society in general, think of domestic violence as just like physical abuse or, you know, they're like, oh, it's not that bad. That person was just having a bad day or they'll put those kind of labels on it of like, oh, they were just, they were drunk. So that's not really how they are when they're not drunk. And um, you don't realize how extreme the like control and power really is. Like someone could never hit you, but you are still in a toxic relationship. You are still in a um, domestic violence relationship. I um, recently watched Made. And so I know a lot of you I've been posting about and a lot of you have been watching that as well and if you are like you know never really looked into domestic violence or toxic relationships or not really sure what that's like I think this show does a great job of showing that um because the the guy in it he never actually like hits her puts his hands on her but you can see how much control is there and I think that's super important for us to think about when we're talking about this today is that like like you said the power and control is what um makes it that like that toxic relationship and I like how you said you know looking at it from the victim side of like do you feel uneasy do you feel like you're walking on eggshells and like those being some signs I think that's I think that's really good so how would somebody like how do people get in this position because I don't think anyone wakes up one day and is like like, you know, this is what's happening in my relationship. I feel like maybe like, how do, how do we get here? How do we get to this point? How does it actually happen? It's a great question. And this is where I start my work with individuals who are re recovering or currently in, um, in a relationship. And so basically where you start is asking 
asking that individual, like, what was your childhood like? Because that's where, that's really how it starts. That's how somebody ends up in this relationship is, um, so you have to make the comparison between like individuals who are born and raised in chaotic households and individuals who are born and raised in really healthy, loving households mm-hmm. where their parents instilled in them what the feeling of safety is like. And so we all have this general idea of like what safety is, but there are our bodies literally wire themselves to recognize what safety is. And so in those like really loving in those loving households where your parents are like doting on you, they're taking care of you, you are not meeting their emotional needs, they're, they are meeting yours and they're putting your needs first and there's no manipulation or guilt, you know what true safety feels like. And that becomes your homeostasis. Homeostasis is the word that you use to describe like what that's, homeostasis is really what creates domestic violence relationships because mm-hmm. in those chaotic households, your homeostasis, which is your state of being, the state that your body gets used to living in, it's like, so you can compare it to like um, an individual, like our bodies need to be at a certain like blood sugar level in order to survive. And so if that goes out of whack, our body goes through a whole bunch, you know, there's insulin to bring our blood sugar back to what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's like our homeostasis. Um, that's where we're meant to live or like a little biome of plant life, you know, picture all these things, because sometimes that's easier for people to picture these other things yeah. Uh, yeah. of like where your body lives at. And so these people who are raised in these chaotic households, their homeostasis is chaos. Mm. And so even though they want and they crave that feeling of like, of having like that healthy relationship, they see those on the movies and they're like, yeah, that's what I want. That is not what their body recognizes as safe when they are actually in it. And so when you meet these, so when you've grown up in that chaotic household, um, your body is looking for people who feel safe to you. And that is an abusive person. If you grew up having anybody and, you know, you can think of your parents as not abusive, but really abuse like a lot of people are protective of their parents and they're like, no, my parents weren't that bad, especially protective of moms. Um, you know, because a lot of people are a lot more apt to point at dads and say, he gave me daddy issues, but you know, for a mom, it's very manipulative and very like guilt tripping, very getting you to meet her emotional needs. That would be like supporting her after a bad breakup. That's not appropriate, but for a lot of people that's their normal. And so they don't recognize that that's like wrong or weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so if they've grown up having those like dysfunctional patterns, they are comfortable and familiar with people who have those dysfunctional patterns. And that's how domestic violence starts. That's that's so good. And I love that you, I love this perspective too, because I think a lot of people also say like, well, how could somebody go back to that person who, who hurt them? Like how, once you leave, how could you go back? And you saying that like that person does become their idea of safety, even though it's not like, you know, big Mm -hmm. picture, obviously it's not like if that's all that they know growing up, like that's, that's where they can go. That's why they go back. Cause that's like what I'm sure there's other reasons and you can tell me that too, but that's what just came to my mind was like, well, that's why they go back. Cause that's all they know. Like they don't know any better that you they can see it in the movies and they want that, but their body doesn't know any different than being with that person. And so that could be one of the, one of the reasons that people go back. And it seems so like bizarre for somebody who's not in that relationship to think like, 
how would you ever do that? But somebody who's experiencing a healthy relationship, their body knows something different than somebody who isn't in it. So it's hard for them to understand that. So I'm so glad that you brought that perspective in of how we get here um, and how it is like a cycle, like a generational curse, but we are breaking these generational curses. So I believe yeah. that I'm bringing awareness and you're doing it in your work every day. Um, but that's, that's so good. That's so good. Um, what are some like early red flags? Because I don't know that people like, I'm, I I love that you brought up a second ago, you know, feeling like you're walking on eggshells, feeling uneasy. Cause I don't know that people even fully realize that they're in a toxic relationship. They just think that this is how it's supposed to be. And so what are some early red flags? Like, how can you recognize these signs early in your relationship? Like instead of when you're, you know, years in. Okay. So this question also goes back to like how I was just explaining like your family of origin. Mm -hmm. And so if you were not taught to have high standards, it's going to be a lot harder for you to recognize those red flags. Mm -hmm. So the best way to identify red flags is to have high standards. But if Mm -hmm. you grew up in a relationship, like in a family unit where you were guilted, manipulated, um, abused in any sort of way, or just not taught to feel like you are important Mm -hmm. because you are important and you are valuable. And Mm -hmm. this is how you have a healthy relationship is to know those things about yourself and to demand that people treat you like that. Um, you shouldn't even have to demand it. You know, you should just, you you can find a partner who you do not have to demand that from. Right. So that's my skill. But, um, so the best way to identify red flags is to have high standards. And so for people who grew up in those chaotic households or dysfunctional households, this is something that you have to teach yourself mm. um, because a good man will not be abusive or toxic towards you. They will respect your standards without question because they recognize your autonomy, your independence, and your right to have a say. Yeah. Um, and that is not something that an abusive or toxic person will do because they want to have that control over you. Mm. They will see your, and an abusive person will see your standards and they will take an inch. And before you know it, they will have a mile It is safer and easier for you to see these things when you set high sexual standards in the beginning, because of course that's going to be a big one. So um, even if you aren't set on like waiting till marriage to have sex, Mm -hmm. set high sexual standards for yourself. Um, I'm not talking about like, oh, wait, three dates. No, I'm talking about like months down the line, even research shows. So from the Gottman Institute, which is like the most highly regarded um, couples research in the United States, Mm -hmm. Um, the Gottman Institute has empirical evidence that shows that friendship is the key to a lasting relationship to a successful Mm -hmm. marriage. And so if you are looking for a committed, successful relationship, you need to have a good foundation. And that means that you put off that sexual intimacy um, so you can have that foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you set those standards and they're pushing you like, oh, wait, no, like you can just go down on me. That's not having sex or you, we can just do this. You know, I can do this. That's not sex. That is, those are your red flags that this is not the person for you to be with. Um, because they're, they're taking something from you and, or if they're manipulating you in any way, shape or form, if they're expecting you to look a certain way, Mm. um, always check in with yourself on how does this person make me feel if they make you feel dumb, stupid, or uncertain, or like you're asking too much of them Mm. because you're, that's a big one is if they make you feel like you're asking too much whenever you're just asking them to be like a normal, healthy person for you. Right. Like the Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And 
Like, that's how you know that this is not a good person to be with. But the reason that this is so hard for people, and this is why you oftentimes need an outside person, a counselor or a coach like myself, um, is because is because when they were growing up, they were made to feel dumb, stupid, or uncertain. Is and so, yeah, that's all that you know. And if that's all that you know, if the people in your life who you've looked up to the most for your whole life, your mom and dad or your grandparents, whoever it was that raised you, if they made you feel like you were dumb or like you have reason to doubt your own thoughts, it's not going to stand out to you as this huge red flag when this person that you're dating who you think is like so great is, is making you feel the same way that you felt your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. Cause you, you don't necessarily, like you said, this is how you felt your whole life. So you don't see that like, this is not okay. Um, because it's something that you've known your whole life. And I think it's so good for us to really think about like, how does this person actually make me feel like that? That's it. That should show you, you know, in itself, like if I feel, you know, worried that they're not going to like this one outfit on me, because they've told me that they can, they really only want me to wear this. Like, you know, that's uneasy. If I, I think mm-hmm. another thing along those lines is like, if there's something like exciting going on in your life, if you're like nervous to tell them because of how they're going to respond, if it means you're like yes. going away for a minute or something like, and, and I, and I got that. From, I just watched made guys. So I'm probably going to reference this a lot. I'm sorry. I think, cause I think it's a really good um, explanation of this, but like, um, and I don't, well, that would give it away. Something exciting happens. And she's like, I can't tell him because he's going to be mad that this like exciting thing is happening for me. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a sign. Like that is not okay. They should be healthy relationships. They're your biggest supporter. They're going alongside of you. They're like, okay, how can we make this big dream happen for you? Those type of things rather than like, well, that would mean we'd have to do this and this and this and this. And it's just easier for you to stay here and not to leave me and all these things. And so I think that's another, another thing that we don't really think about. And so, like you said, how does this person make me feel? And if you have any kind of like, you know, nervousness in your body, you're feeling it in your chest when you're around them, uh, your body will tell you how you're feeling too. So yeah. really listening to that, I think, I think is so, so good. And it's that's so important a, for us to recognize that. That's a really good point. And I would also challenge you to ask yourself, like, how does that person feel about your friends? Mm. Um, because their goal a lot of times will be like to isolate you. Isolate they, you. Yep. they might just have like a really big problem. You know, there's of course like levels, there's a spectrum of like toxic relationships, but I want, you know, you are not any like less valid than the person who is on like the most extreme end of the spectrum. Mm. Um, I run domestic violence support groups and I have never seen anyone get turned away for feeling for like having, you know, quote unquote, a less violent relationship aka like no violence but just that emotional abuse because it's not just emotional abuse right that is significant trauma to your body and to your brain and so um yeah asking like your friends what they think of this person and you know sometimes our friends aren't always good people so get that um get that outside perspective because a lot of times if you have been made to feel dumb stupid or uncertain of your own mind you need an outside professional to come in and validate like what you're going through or say like, no, that's normal. Or say like, no, that's not normal. Right. You know, this isn't healthy. And you can also have an outside person help you be like, is this something that can be worked on in like couples counseling? Or is this something that like 
is not going to change or go away because this is just who this person is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I think we just touched on, you know, one of my next questions is like, what are the signs of emotional abuse? You know, how does this person make you feel? What is, what is that? And like, what are some signs of like, cause I know another part of domestic, uh, toxic relationships, domestic violence, like financial abuse, like what are some signs of that? And maybe some like verbal abuse. And, and I think we know, and maybe even physical abuse, abuse too, because physical abuse may not be just like them actually hitting you, but maybe like throwing things around. So like, what are just a couple signs of like the different, like, I think types of toxic relationships that we can. Yeah. Do? So some signs of emotional abuse would be like how we've talked about how do they make you feel? Um, are they questioning you when you tell them a story? Do they question you? Um, do they not respect your boundaries? Boundaries are the biggest thing because in a healthy relationship, if you have boundaries set, like um, a, a big one that I see in toxic relationships is that the relationship that the partner has with the opposite sex um, mm. because those boundaries are not respected. So a big one in today's day and age is Snapchat because mm. um, people go to that to cheat. Yep. And so I, and so hot, top like, or hot take, I hate Snapchat. I, oh. I'm Thomas and I don't have it. It's way too easy to be sneaky. It's way too, mm-hmm. it's way too easy. Amen to that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, there's no good coming from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe some people are using it to connect with friends, but I think a lot more times it's just like, don't have that slippery slope in your life. If you don't absolutely need it, you know, right. um, you can text and, and so Snapchat is a big one. Um, or people like being on OnlyFans, and it's like, oh, well, you know, they're not actually physically cheating. I don't like it, but it, mm-hmm. but you see that right there is somebody who doesn't know what it's like to like really respect themselves or somehow mm-hmm. some way they've ended up in this relationship and there is a lot more to, to explore there. Um, yeah. Like if you're in that relationship and you're like, but I didn't have like a parent abusing me or whatever, I'm going to challenge you to go to therapy, go to coaching, whatever, and get some help to help see like what in your life set you up for that to, to, yeah be somebody to be in the position where you're accepting something less than, than what you know you deserve. Um, so crossing those boundaries. So that's emotional abuse is crossing your boundaries in any way, shape or form, like Mm -hmm. snapping, texting the opposite sex, or just making you feel dumb or uncertain, or, um, it can even be freezing you out, like giving you the cold shoulder. Um, it can be like just intimidation, but yeah, they don't have yeah. to hit you. They don't even have to break anything in your house. It can just be like intimidation, which also would fall under like physical mm-hmm. abuse. Um, if they like stand over you, yeah. you know, and just make you feel threatened, they don't have to ever touch you. Um, and the list, the list goes on and on. People get very creative. Right. Um, unfortunately. But I think then, talking about the ones that you have is really good for us to realize because I don't like you like 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 we said this whole episode so far is like I don't know that people realize that they're in the toxic relationship. They realize that some things may not feel right, but they don't rec- they don't recognize like this is not how it's supposed to be. Like they don't see that, and so I think bringing up these signs is really important because if you're listening to this and you're like oh my gosh, like, I didn't realize that this is something that I'm in, like, lean into what she's saying, and we're going to get to, like, how to help soon, so hold on, but, like, I just think it's so good for us to hear those things, because we don't realize that we're in it, because society has made so much of, like, violence relationships to be physical, and that's not, and yes, that is absolutely still very important, like, I'm not discounting that 
whatsoever. Um, but there, there's other ways that you also are in a talk. So much more. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that you're emphasizing that today, Hannah. Thank you for doing that for me because I live in this every day, working with people in this every day that it's almost like when you're in something every day, you almost forget how to explain it to other people or what <laughs> other people don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's so real. And that's why I'm so passionate about like working with people in this is I love getting to hear people's stories and help them know like that that's not a what healthy, that's not what a healthy relationship is like. I feel honored to be able to get to like educate people on like what can be different and yeah. what kind of emotional connection is actually possible for them because a lot of yeah. times they don't even know what's possible or they don't believe that it's possible for them because something inside of them tells them that they're not worthy. Yeah. And so I'm loving that we're getting to talk about this. Sorry. So back to your question, you asked oh, about financial abuse. Oh, yeah. Something that's totally something that I've seen a lot as well, unfortunately. And um, that can be that this people get really creative on this too. Unfortunately, I'm also going to mention abusive people are very smart. You know, we don't give them enough credit. A lot of times on movies or something, we see just like stupid people, like, like big burly men and like a wife beater, you know, like tank top or whatever. And they're just like drunk out of their mind, which like drinking can be a part of it. But also like these people can be your run of the mill everyday Joes and like a business thing. And they can be like the most charismatic people who everybody loves. And I'm going to jump in really quick. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, have talked about this a lot on my Instagram. I don't know that how much I've actually talked about it on the podcast, but like I worked at a church where our executive pastor was an abuser like this. And he was the guy who spoke on the platform every week who people loved. He's the guy who prayed with people. Um, he's the guy who was the big charismatic, happy spiritual leader for a lot of people yet. He was an abuser and a manipulator in a domestic violence relationship, taking advantage of somebody, an employee. And it was, and it's, and people still are like, how could he ever do that? And it's like, no, like you said, he was really smart. He was really, really smart. And he was the person that you don't think could happen, but this is just one story of like hundreds of thousands of stories that people go through, especially in the church world. So sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to pull that out there because a lot of people think like, oh, it could never be them. Oh no, it could be. We just need to get that. It could never be them out of our heads because that's, that can't exist in this kind of conversation. Absolutely. Hannah. And I am grateful for you throwing in that real life example on, you know, and you can also think of like, I bet we have listeners who have been in this situation where you are in a relationship and you're talking to people about like what's happening. And if the people in your life, like know that man or that individual, it could also be female because females are abusers too. And sometimes they're even better and smarter and sneakier because they're better at being manipulative sometimes. Um, So when that happens and like people know that person and they love that person, Mm-hmm. A lot of times they don't even believe you. Right. And so you end up staying in that relationship for longer because you're made to feel like you're the bad guy or you're, you're dramatic, right. you know, yep. oh gosh, I hate that word. You know, you're, dr- you're just being dramatic. And it's like, mm, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so if that's you, if you're currently in that situation today where you're made to feel like And that's called gaslighting, everybody. That's what I love working with people on is like, this is gaslighting. It's telling you that something that you have experienced, you know, for a fact in your head and somebody's telling you that that's not real. That's, Mm -hmm. that's gaslighting. 
Yeah. And um, I'd love to explain to you where that term comes from. We can do that another day, maybe. I think it goes straight into what we're talking about, though. I mean, with domestic violence, I do think there's so much in toxic relationships. Gaslighting is a big piece. So go ahead. If you know right okay. now, tell us tell us about it. Yeah, that's that's what that's basically everything, mm-hmm. um, because there is the physical violence. But gaslighting is the foundation for everything in a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And the term comes from um, an old play. I can't remember what year it came out and but where an individual is gaslit. So it starts off where like they're, they're made to feel crazy. So it's like, um, say like the husband, like turns down the, they're like oil lamps. And so like, he turns down the oil in the lamps that way they're like dimmer. And then, Mm -hmm. so the wife's like, is it, is the room dimmer? Is it darker to you? And he's like, no. And then she, so it's like something that she is physically seeing for herself in her own Mm -hmm. mind. And, um, and then like, he's making her doubt herself, doubt her own experience. That's mm-hmm. gaslighting. So that's, that's where the term comes from because it's gas and the light and yeah. the oil and the light. And oh. then, um, oh, yeah. Very yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like, that was the name of the, the original play. And then there was like a remake. Um, I could be confusing the two, but there was also a remake where an individual, like they're picking up the phone to dial someone. I don't remember who right now, but like the, the husband made the phone instead of dialing with the, the phone number that the person was like dialing to, it dialed to a mental institution. And so they're like, I'm really losing my mind. And oh so like goodness. making you doubt your own physical experience. And so that's how it started with, was like with these like tricks and stuff like that. But then now, nowadays it's more like widely used to describe like a wider array of manipulation. And so that's why I really emphasize like, how does this person make you feel? Because a lot of times you can't even put your finger on what's happening until later on. And so it's like, it's like, you're describing like this really great thing that happened to you. And you're like, so excited about it. And they're like, how could you do that to me? This was a direct affront on me. And like what I bring to the table, like you're Mm. making me sacrifice this thing, or you made me look stupid in Mm. front of all those people with that thing that you said. And then Mm. you could be standing there like, I didn't do anything. Like nobody thought that you were dumb. And then it's like, yes, you did. And so that's like where that walking on eggshells comes from. It's like, you can't say anything without saying something wrong. Right. Um, and it's just making you doubt your, it's, it goes back to making you doubt your own lived experience. Mm. Mm. That's so good. I think that's so important for us to talk about with this conversation is because I do think that, which I, I'm grateful that there, the gaslighting is being talked about more in the media. I mean, it, if you're a Bachelor fan, if you watch The Bachelor, that's been talked about a lot in the Bachelor world, which I think is really good because it brings a whole new awareness to this that people didn't know about. And so I think us talking about it is really good because, and I'm grateful that more people are talking about it, but we can't talk about it enough. Like we got to keep it in front of people's faces to know. Um, because like you said, you don't, you can't even really put your finger on it until maybe later down the road and that's what's happening to you and you just aren't aware of it and so talking about it is really good and so we were talking about how the abuser is really smart and maybe not somebody that you think and so maybe their way of financially abusing you is like you know saying like oh we can just have the bank account together and I'll just have the credit card or or things like that is those kind of ways that you maybe would see it in there Uh yeah, sorry, can I skip over that? And I'm also okay. apologizing if I'm too jumbled. Just stop me. I know I can get going. Nope. You're um, good. Okay, so for, for the financial abuse, this can look like um, 
maybe you not even having access to bank accounts. Mm. Um, so I've seen it where people have to, so you're, you're married, husband and wife, but you are working your full-time job and you're paying rent and you are like having like your bills rather than like together, um, you're paying rent in your house that you own. Yeah. And, yeah. um, or it's like your husband taking your entire paycheck and then giving you an allowance. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't like the healthy relationship budgeting. This is giving you, um, and a lot of times this allowance is ridiculous. It's going to be like, here's $200 for you to buy groceries for yourself and the kids for the month. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like this really un- unlivable thing, like this really impossible yeah. standard that is set. And it's like, because the rest of the money is mine. And yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And then it's like, if you spend more money on like, say something that the kids need for school, it's like, why are you wasting our money? You know, mm. or like, why are you wasting like my money on getting the car fixed? Yeah. It's going to be really, really ridiculous things like that. But when you're in the situation, you're like, it's not ridiculous. This is just what he's asking of me. Mm. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. whatever it may be in your situation, it's going to be some sort of just out of this world request or demand. Um, And I also forgot to mention something really critical in the emotional abuse part is that um, a lot of abusive people, and this includes like mothers, okay? So watch out for this in like your mother or your father relationship, they will threaten suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, if that happens, you need to get out of that relationship because that's a manipulation tactic. Yes, And I'm not saying that that means that they don't mean it. But that's no reason that is not your responsibility. Right. And I'm so, so glad that you brought that up because I've seen that in so many, I've seen that in a lot of relationships or people and, and we, and I very much take it seriously when someone says that, um, but it's not the person's responsibility to keep them from that. And like you said, well, they're saying like, oh, if you leave me, then I will commit suicide. And it's like, okay, that's really extreme manipulation. That's putting way too much pressure on somebody. And you can take action steps to help them like, you know, not do that. Like you can call for a, a welfare, a welfare check. You can, um, give them the suicide hotline number and call for that. You can call the police and say, I'm worried that this person is going to do this because they have said that like those steps can be taken but it cannot be your full responsibility to take care of them and then you have to get out to take care of yourself because right not I second everything that Hannah just said that's everything that I would have said on of having that welfare check done and and I'm not saying threatened suicide as in like somebody's experiencing depression and Mm -hmm. having like just like they need help that's different than saying like if you leave me, I will kill myself. Right. Um, that is, that's manipulation to get you to stay because right. there's no, there's no like deadline on that. You know, that, that can't go away. It's like, basically you're trapped for forever. If you believe right. that that is like your responsibility to stay and take care of that. Right. And so, um, and that's so, I'm so glad you brought that out up too, because I think that also goes back to where people are like, how could they stay in that relationship for however many years? And it's like, well, you don't know what they're saying to them. Like they could be threatening this and that person mm-hmm. just feels that tie and feels that heavy weight, but, but they can't tell anybody about that, you know, because there's, a, there's also, I'm sure other levels of control of like, well, you can't talk to your, talk to anybody about this. And so that yeah. could be the reason that, you know, people are saying in it is because you don't know what they're saying to them. You don't know what kind of pressure they're putting on them them and manipulation that they're they're putting them under and like we said earlier the homeostasis if your body if that's all they know 
and then you add this onto it, it's like, okay, you know, what do we do? So let's get into that. Like, um, what should someone's step be if they are in this kind of relationship? Like if they're hearing these things, if they're being emotionally abused, if they're being physically abused, what should their first step be? So I think that like the, this just kind of like leads me to more questions because this is like on an individual basis Mm. um so it's like my questions would be like are you living together is does a restraining order need to be put in place and that really is dependent on like what's the level of what's going on Mm. um because I've seen it like there are things like as extreme as like like having cameras in the house that's something that doesn't just happen in the movies this happens in like real life or like um people like if you leave like kind of like cutting off the ears of like your animals and sending them to you in the mail like to send a Mm. message these things are like happening in real time. You can see this every day. And so it's like, are those the things that are happening? And do you believe that this person is going to hurt you if you leave? Mm -hmm. Um, Or do you believe that they're going to hurt themselves if you leave? Mm -hmm. And like that, like we said, that doesn't mean that you stay. It means that you do your due diligence, you get them a welfare check, and then you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing is, is making sure that you are safe. And so making sure that you are safe does not always mean leaving immediately, which is very counterintuitive for everyone out there who's not like in this world Mm -hmm. of like working with individuals with domestic violence. Like, you know, you'll hear people be like, well, why don't they just leave? Like how you said, there's so much, honestly, it's brainwashing conditioning that goes on in these relationships. You cannot just leave first of all. But once you get to that point where you are ready to leave, that's Mm -hmm. when you say, okay, how can I do this safely? And that looks different for everyone. So sometimes that will mean staying in the home for like a short time while you like prepare your like bug out bag, your getaway, you know, you get Mm -hmm. your money ready somehow you, or you find um, a domestic violence shelter. And so that is also dependent on like where you live, you know, if like these resources are available to you. And Mm -hmm. so if depending on where you live in the country or wherever you are, I want you to um, research what resources are available to you. How can you get away to like a place where this person cannot hurt you, um, can't hurt your finances as well. A lot of times financial abuse also like follows you if that person put messed up your credit score entirely um, mm-hmm. because that's a really big common thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there are people who, there are like amazing landlords, like this is like my mom. My mom's been doing this for forever. This is part of how I got into this, who like don't, aren't concerned with your credit score at all because they mm-hmm. know that like things like this happen mm-hmm. and where like this can like mess up somebody's reputation on their credit score for their life. Right. Um, but like know that there's help for you and Mm. that there are people out there, there are resources out there who can help with even things like your credit score or just those like random things that like nobody else is going to think of. Um, Yeah. And I know that there's a, um, no, that's so good. I was going to say that in the episode notes, um, I'm going to link some resources that we're going to talk about. Um, I'm sure Mallory has some that she can, that she's going to pass along to me that we can put on here, but um, I have found just a couple things that I was looking up for you that there's like a website where you can just search where you live and it'll show all the domestic violence shelters that are near you. Um, I think is really helpful. So I will say like, we're going to link some of these in the episode notes. So you have, um, some resources like readily available for you. And I know Mallory had said, like it very much is, um, contingent on where you live. That's like one of the hard things is like, you know, maybe if you're in a rural area, it may be a little bit different for you. So just considering that kind of stuff, um, 
uh, I wish it was easier. I wish there was like a, like you said, like a one, one size fits all. Here's what you do. But like you said, it really is so dependent on where you live. And like, I, I, I love that you brought up how like you can't just leave because of like safety reasons. And also when people say, oh, why don't you just leave? It's like, well, when you're your finances are being controlled by somebody when your every move is being watched by you. Like how, how can somebody, you know, just up and leave? So like putting together a plan, like you said, is really good. Um, and would you recommend, um, you know, maybe trying to talk to some people that are, that they know of like to help you out? Like how, how would you, yeah. what would that you That was my, my next thing. Sorry. Hannah. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're good. Um, so I was going to say generally, survivors know when they can sit down and get separate from that situation and they can really think they know what their next steps need to be mm. or they just need a sounding board yeah. um but the thing is is when you are in that situation your head literally gets foggy because that's what trauma does to your head is like there's there's a book called out of the fog and that's a great book I would recommend um to anyone in this situation and it's a great name because your head literally becomes a fog. And as you come out of this situation, your head will clear of fog. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's another reason why it's so hard to leave is like you literally biologically cannot think clearly yeah. um, because that's what the abuse does to you because it's like whiplash. Like maybe one minute they're super loving, the next minute they're being abusive towards you. And so that's like by like mental whiplash in your brain where you don't know if you're coming or going. And mm -hmm. so I would say sit down with a counselor, a social worker, um, anyone who specializes in domestic violence to come up with a plan. Even if you aren't able to get into like a domestic violence shelter, I would mm -hmm. encourage you to look into it. But a lot of times um, the requirements are that there was like physical, like hands on you. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so which hard. I don't, oh, I don't yet. Yeah, so, so not fair, everyone. But yeah. um, even if that's the case, a lot of times those shelters will have resources or like a social worker, caseworker who can help you come up with a plan to safely yeah. leave your situation. And so um, find out if there's someone who you can stay with, mm -hmm. um, figure out what's safe for you. If you have friends who are not going to be um, harmful in that mm -hmm. situation, like go to them. And so, yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing is just like how friends respond. Um, if you, and if you are a friend to somebody in this situation, you have someone that you love who's in the thick of it, do not go to them immediately pushing for them to leave because you will push them away from you. Um, mm -hmm. they will become isolated from you. You just need to be there for them and you need to listen to them and ask good questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you ask really good questions, they will, they can put the pieces together themselves. And figure um, it out. Yeah, 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 they can. And um, I would also encourage you, like, in those questions, depending on their case by case basis, I would encourage you to talk to somebody, yeah. um, like a, a social worker counselor and help them, you know, depending on your friend's situation, figure out how to like support them in their situation. Um, and there are ways that you can gently, like help them see that they need to leave. But keep in mind that that individual is going to be protecting their abuser at all costs because that's what they are trained and conditioned to do right um by their abuser otherwise like think of like in their situation if they are not protecting that person they are faced with punishment mm. and so their brain is biologically conditioned to be protective and so your job as a friend is to be a friend and to lend them support and not to push and say like well why don't you just leave yeah. it's a lot more yeah. difficult than that 
Yeah, that's so good. And and maybe some of the, and you you tell me if I'm wrong here, like, cause I know that I had, when I asked this question, I had uh, so many people ask me like, as a friend, what do I do? How do I do this? Like, how do I help? Because I, I want to be the best help, but I don't want them to feel judged or feel like I'm, you know, too pushy. So maybe like you said, you doing your research that you can, like where are the shelters in the area or who, what social work, social worker, like talk to the social worker and see, like, like you said, make a plan with them. And then it's maybe slowly saying like, yeah, I have a, like a, a bed at my house that you could stay in if there is, if there's ever a moment that you just need a break, maybe something like that. Would that be like a good thing maybe for you to do? Like, how can someone, you know, gently ease those things in without being too pushy, like you said? That's a really great point. Um, I like, I like the idea of being prepared with those resources for when your friend is ready to have that break, you know, and, um, like kind of planting seeds. So not saying like, oh, just leave, but Mm -hmm. kind of pointing out, like, is this really how you think that you deserve to be treated? You know? Yeah. And you're going to have to figure out with your friend, like, what is their comfort level with you? Like, what's the, that relationship dynamic like between the two of you and you've got to build that trust first um and like build that trust and and stick with them through it and a lot of times that's all that you can do is stick with them Mm -hmm. because it has to be their decision to leave otherwise they're not going to stay gone yeah and so even if it's I mean I have friendships who where this is this is how it is there's financial abuse there's emotional abuse and you have to stick with your friend Um, because if they lose you, they've lost their whole connection to anything outside of that relationship and their chances of leaving become slim to none. Right. And so I'm just continuing to be that friend, to be that listening ear. Um, when something goes wrong, you might be super frustrated with your friend for staying, but just continuing to be like, man, I am so sorry. Like, what can I do for you? And if they, if they come to you and they say something, you know, like, man, he's treating me like this. I can't believe this. You can validate those feelings. That way they know that it's not in their head. Right. Um, Because they need somebody who's doing that because he's telling them that it's all in their head. Yeah. Um, Or or she, I want to also include any like male listeners who are going through this, um, you know, that, that that's the case. And so like the best thing you can do is not let them become isolated. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's number one thing. And then after that, you can, you can have those resources ready for yourself um, yeah. for like, if, for when your friend is like ready to leave, or you can just gently mention them like, Hey, like, I like, I like your idea of like, if you're ever ready to leave, mm-hmm. like if you ever want this, if you mm-hmm. need a break, you can talk to these people. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. just like the idea of like, Hey, have you ever thought about counseling just to like kind of help you deal with the stress of this relationship? Because a lot of people are going to be way more open to counseling to help them deal with the stress mm-hmm. and counseling to help them leave the relationship. Yeah. And, and the counselor will do their job and, yep. and, help mm-hmm. them. and they'll be able to see this stuff. And so they'll yeah. be able to properly maybe guide them to healing and to safety rather than you know helping them stay in that and that's so good too and I I like how you're saying like the question of you know what would you think about this I went through this thing with with a very close friend of uh, of mine at the time and I had never gone through this before as the friend um and but I did try to ask like hey what do you think about you know, maybe saying this to them and like getting you over here and like out, maybe out of it. Like I would try and put that, like, what do you think? So that way that also tried to give them some like 
feel of independence rather than me being like, okay, you need to end this right now of like, hey, what do you think about how do you, how this person is making you feel um, and just kind of giving them some independence, I feel like was helpful in the situation that I was helping. Um, but I also will say to the friends, like, it's hard when you are not in that and you don't know, and you want to do the right thing and say, you know, you feel pressure to want to say the right thing. You feel pressure to want to do the right thing. But I want to also say to the friends out there listening, like, like, like Mallory said, being there for them and like just being supportive and just like sitting with them and listening to them is such a huge piece of support. And for you to know, like, you do not have to carry this hundred percent on your shoulder. Yes. Like you do not have to feel like the, the weight of this full relationship, this full thing is on your shoulders. Like you can do the best that you can to be there and educate yourself. Like, I wish I would have been educated about this stuff a long time ago. Cause I feel like I could have better helped my friend, but now I know like, okay, now I am being educated. And so if you even have the slightest inclination that this person's in a toxic relationship, like spending time educating yourself and also know that you're not going to ever say the perfect right thing. You're not uh-huh. going to say like, you're not going to have know exactly every single thing to do. Um, but just not helping them, you know, feel isolated, I think is, is probably one of the biggest. Yes. Things you do. It's so important. Hannah, I love that. And like the, reminding people that they're not going to say the perfect right thing. It's not your job to be your friend's therapist. It's your job to be your friend right. and to just, to just be there for them. And a lot of times that's going to be hard for you because you're going to be so frustrated. And yeah. that's where that like true love comes in. Of just yeah. being like, you know what? I'm going to love you through this and yeah. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm not going to teach to you. Um, you know, I'm just going to like, let you be, and I'm going to love you. And that's what they need because nobody else in their life is doing that. Everyone else in their life is demanding something of them. And that's why they're going to trust you is because you're not the person who's demanding something of them. You know, if they wouldn't be in this relationship, if like that wasn't the case in their life where a lot of people are like expecting something of them and in that relationship, everything is expected of them or they're expected to, to bend so much on their expectations. And I would say another thing that you can do as a friend is if you are really good at healthy relationships, um, you can be like, Hey, how about, you know, you try setting this boundary with him. And mm-hmm. like, if that would be safe, safe for your friend, mm-hmm. um, you know, like if this is an emotionally abusive relationship, you can say like, why don't you try like just saying what you need? Because a lot of times people who are in these relationships don't say their needs, um, because they, they haven't been taught that they don't, they haven't been taught about those high standards. Right. And so you can, you can practice like say that and see what happens. And then yeah. it, either it's respected or they're let down and that gives them like a little bit more. Um, it actually makes them a lot more empowered individually Mm -hmm. to be like, I said what I needed and I was strong and I used my voice. Having a voice is so empowering. And then seeing how that person responds, um, also empowers them to like take it into their own hands because keep in mind that in these relationships, your friend is giving all of their power over to that individual that they're with. And mm. so taking back pieces of power a little bit at a time is, is a great way to like, to build up the courage to leave, yeah. build up the courage to that, that relationship by like taking back little pieces of power at a time that can be in setting a relationship saying like, I don't want you to text those women. And, um, learn how to set good boundaries. Boundaries have consequences and you stick to the consequences. Or it's like, if you talk to me, if you, if you cuss at me and you're yelling and screaming at me, I'm going to walk out of the room and I'm not going to continue that conversation until you are ready to treat me with respect and see what happens. 
you know yeah, that is that's so good that is that is so good and I think so important for us to like know and listen to um and and for the friends out there because I know that I'm I'm sure all of us have, know at least somebody that's going through this and so just knowing like what we can do to best support I think is super important um so let's get into a couple Q and A's here that some people had and I honestly I'm re- I'm looking at them right now and I'm like I feel like we answered a lot of them just <laughs> in our conversations but I would like to give some like you know specifics to people and so um what do we, how can we help the person who says, how do I share my past abuse with my current partner? Cause I'm sure that's so hard when you've gone through it before mm-hmm. and now you're in a healthy, really, I'm hopefully this person is a healthy relationship with the current partner. Yeah. Um, what are maybe a couple, couple next steps we could give them? I think the first thing for you to remember, cause in this question, um, I'm seeing that you're feeling a little bit of shame and, mm-hmm. or a lot of shame. And remember that there's nothing for you to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, the past abuse that you endured is not your shame to, to carry. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the shame of the person who was abusive towards you. Yeah. Um, and so if you're in a healthy relationship with a healthy individual, they're going to respect that and they're going to see your broken pieces and they're going to say like, I love you and mm-hmm. I love these and they're welcome here. Yeah. And um, I'm here for you and your healing because when you're in that relationship, they oftentimes need to know that you've been yeah. in the past abusive relationship because you're going to have triggers. And so you can, um, I hope that in that relationship, you've been having honest, healthy conversations. Um, and if that's not a skill set that you have, I would encourage you to seek coaching, counseling from anyone to learn how to like hone that skill because it's a skill that you're going to need for life. Yeah. Um, and, um, so if that is already something that you're doing, you can have one of those conversations and be like, hey, I'm sure that you've noticed by now, or maybe you mm-hmm. haven't noticed. And you can name like maybe your triggers, you yeah. know, or you can say, it's really hard for me when you do this, even though I know you mean it totally innocently, mm-hmm. but because of like the past abuse that I've gone through, like this, like it makes me feel unsafe or it makes me feel uneasy or my body just is triggered from that. And, um, just being, just be honest, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no special way to share this other than just like knowing that you're enough and your story is, is precious and sacred. Make sure that person is going to be safe. And, um, and if they respond poorly, that's on them. That's not on you because there's nothing for you to be ashamed of. And, um, and if you need help learning how to like phrase your story, um, maybe talk to a friend and ask them mm-hmm. and just, just know that like, it doesn't have to be all the right words. Yeah. Um, yeah. because you're, there's no reason that your abuse should scare someone off yeah. or make you any less lovable because it doesn't. And if that person is scared or responds poorly, they are not your person and they are not someone for you to be in a safe relationship with if they are not oh, yeah. good if they don't respond well to you that's that a red flag if they don't respond out. Well. <laughs> yeah that's a red flag that you're gonna leave yeah yes. yeah uh, that's so good uh, another question someone said I have a toxic family member who refuses slash can't take responsibility for things do I cut them off or restrict them forever and this is so hard when it's like your family so like I just want to sympathize or empathize with this person just like no like it's hard with anybody, but I feel like, especially when it's someone in your family, like that you maybe have to be around or see like, that's so hard. So I just want to empathize with you before we get into it. Know that yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
if it's a toxic family member, I empathize with you too. I have toxic family members and I, you don't have to cut them off or restrict forever. That's something that you can like build up to. Mm. And the way that you do that, and, and like, that doesn't have to be the end, you know, like that doesn't ever have to be a solution, but like, we can put that off for a little while and do some things first to yeah. try and um, like, see if that relationship can become healthy for you and safe mm-hmm. for you. And so like, and that also depends on what kind of toxic person they are, right. but um, the way that you do that is by like instilling good boundaries. And a lot of people don't know what boundaries are, but it's basically, it's a line that you set and you say like, if you cross this X, Y, Z is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so like, how is this person toxic towards you? Um, I know I'd love to like help you with this. This is like, this is yeah. what I do. Right. <laughs> so it's like, if it's like a toxic mom, there are a lot of toxic moms out there, guys. If they're, this is something that's very common is like, if that toxic mom is talking bad about like your partner, they can plant little seeds to eventually make you turn on your partner. Even yeah. if it's like, oh, in the beginning, you don't believe that. It's like, if you're continually allowing somebody to talk badly about your partner, this is just an example. Um those seeds are going to take fruit. And so you don't want that to do that. You're going to protect your relationship or your, your marriage. I'm talking about marriage. Yeah. Um, And, and you're going to protect that by saying, you know what, if you continue to talk bad about my partner, my, Mm -hmm. you continue to talk bad about my husband. I like when, when we are alone, then I'm not going to be alone with you. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be around. And if you disrespect him, then we're just going to leave the house altogether. And Mm -hmm. maybe we can try again tomorrow. Um, when you've had some time to think about it and if you're ready to have a conversation, that's, that's not health or that's, that is healthy and isn't disrespectful towards my partner. Yeah. You know, that's just that's one so example good. of the boundary of like walking away. It's not cutting that person off for mm. forever. It's, it's stating a consequence. And if those boundaries continue to be disrespected, you continue to draw those lines and they're completely disrespected. Um, that's when you kind of get to the point of like, okay, yeah. what do I, what kind of distance do I need from this person? But it doesn't have to be for forever guys. Yeah. So there's hope. That's so good. I love that you just include the hope in there because I know that when you're in the middle of this, it can feel so hopeless and like, this is going to be your forever. And so I think it's just so good for you to say like, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be forever. Um, if this person, you know, does, cause this person could also take like what you say in your boundary and like take some time and think about it and recognize that. And they may also go to counseling or see a therapist and like get the help that they need to. And so, um, I think it's just good to remind people of hope. Um, I've got like two more questions. Uh, my widowed mother is now engaged to a man with a history of domestic violence as an abuser. I can't seem to talk her out of it. What should I look out for how to be available when, and if crisis arrives? So I know we've talked about this a lot, like, you know, how to prepare, what to do, but like, maybe what's like, just remind them one more time, like, what can they do? Um, you know, cause I'm sure this is so hard because this person just wants their mom to be safe and they, they see this. So yeah, again, yeah, I am so sorry that you're going through this, especially like after like losing, it sounds like maybe your dad or whoever your mm-hmm. mom was partnered to, um, that is such a hard loss. And then to see like someone is coming in and like, they're potentially going to be abusive. Um, mm-hmm. that's, 
that's really hard to see. And that's a lot of grief taking place all at once. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage you to have support through this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry, I, it makes sense to me that you can't talk her out of it because she might be looking for someone to cling to and abusive people know how to identify people who are looking to, for someone to cling to. Um, someone who's vulnerable, that's what they look for. And so I am so sorry. And I think, um, what should you look out for? I'm thinking about like, if he ever tries to isolate your mom or do you see your mom changing? Mm -hmm. Um, Ask yourself that is like, is your mom who she's always been or is she different? Is she different for the worse? Yeah. You know, and um. So I'm sure that you will naturally be attuned to those things. Is your mom the mom that you've always had? Or is she like slowly kind of cutting you out? Or is she, mm-hmm. is she cutting friends out? Is she, um, I, he could also be really sneaky. And, but you're the kind of person who you're going to be so deep in your, her life that you're, you'll see those red flags. I have no yeah. doubt on um, that you can see those. Pay attention to how he talks to her. Um, pay attention to her countenance. Um, like, does she look happy? Does she look sad? Um, is she putting on a show for you? Um, what are his expectations of her? Um, is she walking on eggshells? Like expectations are a big thing for abusers, power and control, pay attention to those. That's what they want. Power and control. Mm -hmm. Um, and if a crisis arrives, like we've said, just be there for your mom. Mm-hmm. And be a safe place for her. If you're out of the home, um, you can, you know, provide her with a place to stay. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, an adult, and if you're not, um, you can think about like friends. Does, does she have friends that you can talk to? Yeah. You know, who can be supportive throughout this. And um, and I think leaning into like what we've talked about already of like as the friend and in your situation as the daughter, like what go ahead and put a plan in place that if she does want your help or when she is ready, you can say, I've done the hard work for you. Here's what we're going to do. And so you, that, that means like you researching, you know, talking to a social worker, seeing what her options are. Cause I do know there are some like shelters that can help, like, you know, you, it's like a temporary place that you could stay in and they can help you, you know, find a job or find, um, you know, housing or whatever. And, and um, I think it's good to like, just talk to a social worker and see what her options are and just already have a plan in place so that way when she is ready and comes to you if something is if something has happened um then you're like okay mom I got our plan like here's what we're gonna do and just been walking her through all of it and on that note I was watching made and um (laughs) this is my question that I'm adding in here so I was like two more questions one of them is mine um I Watching Made Made really shows how the system is pretty broken for survivors mm. of sexual or uh, domestic violence, and how they you, you just watch the main character go in and say like, you know, I have a daughter and I need help with childcare, but in order to do that, you have to show that you have a job. But in order to go to a job, you have to have childcare. And often these um, survivors are in these victims, they are isolated from everybody. So how are they supposed to find childcare and to go to a job? But then they can't do that if they don't have childcare. And it's just like, and like you said, a lot of the shelters are just for physical violence only. And so what, what could you say to that? I know you're not the creator of the systems. So, cause if you were the creator of the systems, I'm sure we'd create a better one, but is there like, do you have like any maybe tips or just thoughts on that? Cause like, 
you know, is also, is it important for someone who, when they immediately leave to call the police and report this, like what the system wise, cause there are government, you know, um, things that will help you. Uh, but I know that that's really hard and you have to like jump through hoops to get there. So yeah. I guess the question is like, what, what are maybe something we can do about it or, or just talk about that, I guess, for a second. Absolutely. That's really tough. So it is important for you to have something on record, like with the police, even if they're not going to do anything about it. There's a big misconception with like the police or child protective services that just because they don't do something about it that time, Mm -hmm. that like they're not going to do something about it in the future. And um, if you have something on record, it makes your statement more powerful. And so like keeping that in mind, like have those things on record if you're Mm -hmm. leaving, even if you think that they're not going to do anything. Um, And with like child protective services, if you have a child involved, do the same thing, even if they're not going to do anything to the partner that you're with that can help you in court to like have those things. And that that's also a really tricky process. Um, And then as far as like the you need a job to have the child care, but you need child care to get a job that depends on where you live. Okay. And so um, here in Fort Collins, um, whenever I used to be a caseworker working with individuals with domestic violence, um, I actually had like great success stories because that's not how the system here works, but it's like Fort Collins is a more affluent community. And so we have a lot of resources available. So there's a lot of nonprofit organizations here that are helpful to um, single moms Mm. and so, or like single parents. Um, And so that is like something that I was able to utilize here, but that's going to depend, that's going to be like a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. And so I would also encourage you, like wherever you are in your community, don't just rely on like the state resources look for like nonprofit organizations that are willing to help you. And so find like a social worker somewhere and like any building, like even Mm -hmm. like at the hospital, they have a social worker and you know what, like those social workers are for like the the individuals who are there, but a lot of times you'll find a kind heart somewhere who who knows the resources better than you or better than you can Google, you know, start with Google and then go from there. Um, trying to find like the resources in your community. And I also want to say like, be strong and advocate for yourself. Um, So I can give like, can I give a little funny story real yes, quick? Yes, please. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So um, with the first survivor of domestic violence that I worked with, um, she's such a badass. Oh, can I cuss on here? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, she is a badass. Like we could say that. Absolutely. I, well, I don't know her, but I believe that she's a badass already. So, um, so I met her shortly after her boyfriend was arrested. And when he was arrested, you know, she cussed out the police and she she fought for him against mm-hmm. the police because if she didn't do that, he he would take it out on her because he was physically violent towards her. He beat right. the crap out of her um, mm-hmm. more than once. And, um, and so when I started working with her, of course, she, to begin with, she was very protective of him. Mm-hmm. But by being that supportive person, we worked her to a place where she said, I want to change my statement to the police. Mm-hmm. And I want to like have him in jail. I want to be protected. I want to protect my kids. I want to change my story. So Mm. powerful, like so amazing. And, um, but she was terrified of going to the police station and facing the officer that she cussed out. And so I was that person who was there and just literally being her biggest cheerleader Mm. is really what I was for her of being like, you know what? No, it's their job to protect you. It's their job, whatever, you know? And 
um, like he, he, he will understand is what I was saying. We got there <laughs> literally because I was there. He gave her like more respect, but like I talked to the victim's advocate later on, which a victim's advocate is somebody like within the court system who is there to advocate and be that support person mm. for the survivors of domestic violence. And so if you're not automatically given that in your case, um, ask for one, mm. is what I would also tell you. So this victim's advocate, they are also badasses. They're awesome. And, um, and so I was like talking to her and she's like, yeah, he, the, that officer came to me and he was telling me that he didn't want to listen to her because she like cussed at him. And she said that she said to him, um, uh, did she hurt your feelings right after she had the crap beat out of her by her boyfriend? Seriously. Like, <laughs> seriously. It's like, oh, like, yeah. and, and I'm like, that's what they need. Like, yeah. and they know, need to have that like independence that like gust back, like gust, that's not the word. You know what I'm saying? That like yeah. back in them, that confidence back in them to say like, oh, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt after my face just got pounded in. So sorry. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And, the officer needed to be told like, yeah, yeah you know, like, you're really going to be the victim here. You really, right. that's, that's the part that you want to play after this tiny girl got beat up by her boyfriend like that's that's really who you want to be right now yeah. um and that's not everyone but he he did still even though you know that's how the mindset that he went into it with mm-hmm. he's still ended up being helpful towards her yeah. and um and of course that victim's advocate <laughs> helped a lot too and then yeah. she was able to win in that court process and it was like awesome. it was really amazing and like yeah. an incredible success story yeah. and like that can be you that yeah. can be your story and that can be how things end, but that's just like one example of like resources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, I think it's so good that you brought up the victim advocate person because, um, it's so important for you to know that you're not alone. Like, I know that mm-hmm. this person, like when you're in a toxic relationship and domestic violence relationship, you are often, you also feel like you're the only person, like you, you're, you are isolated from everybody else. And so it's so important for you to know that like, you are not alone. There are, like you said, looking into nonprofits outside of just the government assistance and, um, going to Google. And even if you're at a place where you did need to leave, like, abruptly like walking to a hospital walking to the nearest like I don't know police station like something like that like there's gonna be someone there that can help you um and that you are not alone it's so important to know that you and if you get faced with somebody at like a front desk who's like cranky and they're like we can't help you ask for like a social worker or a caseworker um or you know whoever they have like who knows their resources because that person is likely to be more compassionate towards you and if they're not if they're not helpful towards you, that doesn't mean that you quit. That means that you keep going until you find that person who's going to be helpful for you. And usually in the past, I've been that person for people. I'm the person who keeps going because they're not able to, but it's like, if you're, if you're on that, your own doing that, like know that you can do it and um, that you don't need someone like me, you know, you, maybe you can find them as you go. Um, And so just keep that in mind. Yeah. And there's, there's hope for healing that this does not have to be your life forever. And it's not going to be because we're going to fight for you and we're going to help you out and we're here to support you. And so Mallory, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and talking about this. I think this is so important and I really appreciate you. Like the work that you do is literally changing lives and it is so, so important. It's so clear that you're like walking in the calling that God has for you. And so just thank you for spending some time with us today and educating us. Um, you're the expert. I just really appreciate you like, you know, 
pouring into us, telling us how we can be supportive for other people, but also providing hope for those who are in this toxic relationship. So where can people find you? Like, can I link, you know, your stuff? Like what, where can people find you if they want more information um, about your coaching or your counseling? Uh, Please do. So right now I'm providing coaching. MalloryHeislerCoaching.com is where you can find me. I'll link that. Um, Schedule a free consultation. And, um, I would love to work with you. And even if it's not like around domestic violence, I do a lot of just relationship work, um, on like whatever kind of relationship we are dealing with along the spectrum. And, um, meet with anybody in the country or does it have to be in Colorado? Anybody in the country in the future, once I'm a licensed therapist, if you want like therapy through me, that'll be in Colorado. Um, but for now, it's just coaching and I'm loving it. And so find me there. And also you can find me on Instagram, Mallory H Coaching. Um, and yeah, so that's that's me. I would encourage you to go to my website though, because it's prettier than my Instagram. I've got to, I've got to work on it. <laughs> so we will, I'll link all of that in the episode notes, friends. I will link um, where people can can find her on her website. So you guys can can chat with Mallory and and get some get some help. And and um, I think she's she's the best. And so I will also link um, the domestic violence hotline. Um, I'll link the book out of the fog that Mallory mentioned and um, the website of like where to find a violence, domestic violence shelter near you. And I'm also going to link a couple of shelters that are in Colorado specifically. Um, I know that we have listeners all over, but um, I'd love, I wish I could link one in every single state. I, I mm-hmm. cannot, but I will link some in Colorado for us as well. Just some resources out there. So Mallory, thank you so much for having me, Hannah. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, we hope that you have the best day and we will talk soon. Bye.